This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Friday Morning GM with my co-host Voss Laricos of Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to week four. Hope to wash that taste of the week three uh, disappointment out of our mouth uh, on Sunday. You know, it would have felt a lot better going into the Browns game 3-0. and uh, The Browns and Steelers present very significant challenges for the Ravens as injured as they are. Uh, that's something we definitely need to, to to get to soon. But I guess the biggest news uh, on the uh, front office front is Kyle Van Noy signing this week. Yes. Uh, for, fortunate that he was still available in my mind. You know, he played uh, 13 games last year as a starter, and he was apparently asking for close to $10 million when uh, when they signed Clowney. That's the rumor. Uh, don't quote me on that, but now to have him – uh, on the practice squad for about 300k until uh, until activation start uh, is, is certainly a beneficial development for I think for this team that they really need some help at outside linebacker right now. Yeah, and he's he is a true Sam linebacker. In fact, you know he's obviously he's played some off ball too, so it's not it's not as a one for one comparison here. But he's dropped to cover almost as often as he's rushed the passer in his entire career. So, you know, obviously a lot of time at New England, a little bit of time with the Chargers last year. He played at Detroit to start his career. Um, but it, in particular, as a coverage player, he's really come on in the last few years to be even better. Still maintained a pretty good level of rushing the passer. And, you know, it's not in a ton of snaps. So his his, uh, his sack rate career is over 2%, which is nice. Uh, Bowser's is 1.7 and Clowney is 1.3 by comparison. So you're talking about guys who, you know, this is a guy who can rush the passer. It's not terribly surprising to me that he wanted a little bit more money. Um, pretty good, pretty good run defender uh, over the years. He's always had a pretty good a total of defensive wins. So um, a very nice pickup. He was the guy I really wanted in the offseason of all the people they brought in. I would have I've certainly said him ahead of Clowney, but Clowney's played very well, of course, for the Ravens. Yes, he has. Uh, so to be able to have maybe the two best outside backers that were available to start training camp and you end up getting them both on the roster for a pretty reasonable cost, that's definitely beneficial. He just – Van Noy seems like that consummate Bill Belichick do-your-job kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has that coverage versatility, as you mentioned. I also just really think they needed an edge setter coming into this game with Cleveland and their outside zone-based run game 
when you have hypothetically clowny Jeremiah Moon and Tavius Robinson as your only pure outside backers with Ojabo and Owe both uh, dealing with ankle sprains or potentially even high ankle sprains. They needed that. They needed that coming into these two straight divisional games. Cleveland and Pittsburgh are two, maybe along with Tennessee, or maybe the three teams that you least want to play when you're banged up because some of the most physical football in the league. Yeah, and and of course those are the next three weeks. It involves the travel to London and and road games for the other two. So it's not an easy stretch uh, for the Ravens by by any means. Uh, I I did think that they might try and get by with Harrison again, an outside linebacker for for a week to to maybe take a significant number of snaps. They hadn't used him much. I think he only played about ten snaps the first the last two weeks, while they had a very significant need for him. Um, but uh, but anyway, they they really only have him on when they're in their base defense. So when they're in any kind of four-two-five kind of look uh, uh, with the nickel, they don't uh, they don't typically have uh, Harrison on the field. I expect we'll see quite a bit of uh, a Brett Urban and the uh, and the base five technique coming forward here in this week four game. Yeah, because because it, it'll be a twelve personnel game from the Browns. They they I was talking about that with the Browns guy today, and and it looks like from the snap totals as well, kind of corroborate this. They've only played about twenty-five or thirty uh, percent, twelve. Now that's not a small number, but it's not like what we might have thought of the Browns doing in the past, where they've had, you know, three tight ends. They're really rotating and playing two, you know, fifty, sixty percent of the time. Sometimes, sure, yes, and they're using Elijah Moore in the slot quite a bit. Um, but again, the, you know, I'm sure they watched the tape and saw Zach Moss getting the edge on the Ravens, and they're going to probe that weakness until the Ravens prove they can stop it. And Van Noy's a step in that direction. Yeah, there you go. I agree with that one. All right. Well, one of the other big things coming up for the Ravens this week is how they handle this very large group of injuries and the inactives. And I think we ought to just, you know, be clear up front that we're not privy to any special information. We're not insiders in this. We have to kind of piece together the information that comes through the media in terms of, you know, so-and-so's in a walking boot or this is going on and whatnot. Uh, some guys restarted practice. It looks to me like Edwards is probably the most likely to play of that group. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would agree. Concussion is once you pass the protocol, you're pretty much in the clear. It's not a, a rehabable injury, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's what I thought too. Uh, they've been talking about Bowser being on a separate field. He can't come back till week five anyway, so that's not even a consideration. And I think Justice Hill has already been working out on the adjacent field. So it, nice to hear those are going on. Nice to hear you know, it sort of approaches practice. I, they, I don't recall what the rules are on IR for when you can start practicing as opposed to come back. So it's pop. You have a three-week window to practice. Right. For IR, there might not be that. Um, I think you can practice. I have to sit the first four weeks completely out, I believe. And then, uh, but uh, we'll have to verify that one. But I believe that's the whole purpose of the four weeks. And if you're ready in that fifth week, you can come back. But I think that's also the same, similar to Pup, where they have a three week window to sort mm-hmm. of get in shape. A little nuance of the rule book there. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, walking wounded. And John Harbaugh made the point in his press conference that. You know, people are just getting rolled up in, in piles at a ridiculous rate, you know, and you got every trench player that's on, that's injured right now are, are all lower body ankle injuries purely mm-hmm. from getting rolled up on in the pile. 
Jack Conklin is injured for the Browns. One of you know, one of two serious injuries that they really have are Conklin and Chubb. But uh, Conklin apparently was injured on on a similar roll up where somebody pushed him across the pocket. And unfortunately, I think this is a, a byproduct of having kind of weak offensive line play. And Jedrick Wills was the one who did it from all the way on the other side, pushed his guy across the pocket into his legs. Um, we have seen that in the past. That's how um, Ryan Stanley got hurt by James yeah. Hurst, right? Yeah, that was the big one. Um, we have, we've seen it too much, and I don't think it's a technique technique issue necessarily. Um, but if it, it, there's only so much you can do, I mean, you can you can change the you can change the strength and conditioning coach, you can monitor GPS, you can do all sorts of different things to try to remedy the situation. But people are going to get rolled up in piles, and you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's like an it's like an accident risk, and I, I if if there's a way to lower it, it's not monitoring vitals of the players themselves. It would be something about, you know, when one legitimate question is, is there a point when you're an offensive lineman that you want to coach them to release their block, even if it means the quarterback's going to get hit to not let an offensive lineman get rolled up on, and right. I, you know, quarterback can take a fair amount of punishment in terms of hits in the pocket, particularly when they're getting sacked and turtling up. The ones that are really bad are quarterback hits that are taken as they're stepping into a throw. Those are, those are higher risk situations, but nothing is as high risk as blocking somebody into the back of the legs of a fellow lineman. That's just the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Just, just something you have to deal with and move on and, and patch it together until your players are able to play and, that's why the Ravens have uh, accumulated so much depth to hopefully get through this period. All right. Well, let's see if they can. Um, one of the things that comes up depth-wise is that the Ravens had a chance to put their bye week after week five. Sorry, make that after week six, right? Because they go, they go to London, and they could have had their bye week right. then, which, by the way, with the Orioles season, wouldn't it be really nice to have that bye week sitting right yeah. there and the chance <laughs> That's to, true. Yeah, to do all the, the ALCS and whatnot would be about then. But it, it's, it's a um, – uh, it's an opportunity they didn't take. And I think I understand some of the thought that went into this. But if you were taking a group of young men over to London and then gave them a bye week thereafter, it might have been something where the Ravens are concerned about where they might go, whether that's in the States, right. Amsterdam, wherever. Stopping Ibiza on the way back. Uh, yeah, uh, I personally have the mind that I always prefer the bye week as late as possible in the season. You know, you can't really predict when you're going to need a week. Is your Do you have four or five guys with sprained ankles in week six, or do you have it in week 13? So it's currently set for week 13, the first week of December. Uh, you know, for a team like this that's considered a contender, you always want to be peaking at the latest possible point of the season. So I personally thought that that was a, a good move to defer the bye week. Right. I, I do too. And I, I think not only is the injury component something which didn't happen to work out in the Ravens' favor this time around, if they had had a lot of pup players, it would have. It, it might have mm-hmm. been something they would have you know, really considered. But they, they, they don't really. They just have one NFI guy who's coming back, as far as I know, Bowser, and no other pups as they've had last year. They had a, a fair number of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was maybe it was is more of a of a maintaining focus after London is that they they yeah it's a it's a crappy travel week and you have some of that from a from any time you have to play on the road on say a Thursday but I don't think it's any worse than that I think the risk is that players become distracted and they 
they're in another country and they want to go there with their families. And then when they do that, they get lost in further activities. And it's just harder to, to uh, reherd the cats, so to speak, to get them back to practice and get them back focused on football again. That's a good point. I, I didn't think of that. Uh... This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But from a from an aspect of keeping the team focused on, I think that's a very good point. Um I guess one other point I want to bring up was about the current running back situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but this looks an awful lot like the last two years to me acquiring or, you know, they had Gordon already and he was already a backup and, and, you know, we didn't expect to make the team. He didn't. And then he hangs around the practice squad and now he's needed. And then Kenyon Drake coming back again. Is there, is there a deja vu all over again kind of feeling you're having? I think so. I I definitely think you can make that connection from, Melvin Gordon to Mike Davis to Latavius Murray, uh, pretty pretty similar style players. The Gordon acquisition was an eyebrow raiser for me when it was made. Um, just didn't see any upside there. And the issue, I think, was perhaps, this is speculation, they didn't realize that Dobbins was needed maybe or was going to hold in. And that's when they made that move. And by the time they made that move – most of the other young running backs were already latched on because that was while the rosters were expanding. Um, and to, to Costa's credit, I mean, he went out and got Keaton Mitchell, who's probably one of the best UDFAs that was available this cycle. But unfortunate timing of when the injuries occurred and then Mitchell has to go on IR and then you need him before he's back from IR, before he's eligible to come back from IR because Hill, your other explosive back, was also lost. I do think Drake still has a little bit of juice, as he showed on that catch and run before he fumbled. Um, it's just one of those things where I think you just kind of have to tough it out. I would anticipate that Mitchell will be reactivated uh, in time for week five, and Gordon will be uh, jettisoned because at that point he will be out of uh, P-Squad elevations. Yes, and that, that's a good point. They certainly don't want to um, – I, I think they get paid for an acquisi- for a active week that week that they're on the roster. But uh, Gordon, the, the Ravens are safe from playing them for a full season anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess they could put him back on the on the practice squad and have him around participating for a while. He won't have elevations left, but he could be activated at some later point. But I agree with you. I think Mitchell's going to step in and have a pretty big role right away. Yeah, they need they need that, that juice and to be able to threaten that edge. Um, you know, explosive plays – especially in week three, we're not uh, where you want them to be. Duvernay not getting the uh, opportunities in the backfield after after he got a pretty good set of opportunities against the Bengals and did last three. year against the Bengals as well. But Yeah, three carries in week two. Yeah, so w- why not? Why why shouldn't we see Duvernay for some of these opportunities when the, when the Ravens are so short on running back depth? I, antici- I projected that, anticipated that set my fantasy football lineup with that in mind. <laughs> and uh, 
And it, I was surprised that they did not see that for sure. Because he gives you that, and he can replicate a lot of what Justice Hill can do. Um, so, you know, I think really looking forward, once people get back healthy, Gus is kind of your lead back workhorse big man. And then you basically have, you know, speedier, more elusive backs filling out the rest of the core. And I think that can be effective, but you need to have those those speedy elements return for that mm-hmm. to work. Yes. And, and you know, the Ravens, they have a they have kind of a, a an embarrassment of riches in terms of speed guys on the offense that could be plugged in for Monk. And they have really four guys, if you include Mitchell, injured, Hill, injured, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Duvernay not being used, which is really unfortunate. And then Flowers, who's getting all the workload, but it's, you know, with an A dot of 3.5 and a, a, you know, a long catch of eight this last week, it looks like a lot like 2021 Marquise Brown down the stretch. You know, being just yep. super underutilized in terms of of uh, getting opportunities down the field or peeling the, that safety off the defense and getting other people opportunities. Either one would be fine. I completely agree with that. I, I heard you make that point on an earlier podcast this week. And yes, Flowers needs to have a average depth of target further down the field. I don't see another way to really maximize this offense. You also need to get Bateman more involved. And some of that may be a product of the offensive line injuries. And I think some of it is also a product of not playing at all in the preseason. And I, when you have a new coordinator, I think that's the time where you probably need to put a couple of drives together. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's water under the bridge at this point. Yeah, maybe not for next year, though. So, we'll, uh, uh, you know, it's okay to kind of poke the bear a little bit and complain about that. Mm-hmm. Let's see, anything else from a front office perspective we need to talk yeah, about this week? Just just one other item I thought with uh, Tylen Wallace going to injured reserve. Another, just they keep mounting. Um, you know, Beckham, neither Beckham nor Bateman practiced on Wednesday as we record here Thursday early afternoon. That leaves you with three receivers healthy, um, you know, Zay, uh, DuVernay, and Aguilar. Um, I think you probably need to activate somebody if Bateman and Beckham are not going to be available. And I would say probably Laquan Treadwell yes. would be the first man up. He has the most experience. He played reasonably well in the preseason, and he played reasonably well on special teams in the preseason, which is really what you're looking to fill as a replacement of Wallace. Very, very key. And and he's going to get some snaps at wide receiver if he gets activated. I, do, I anticipate also that he will be. And uh, they will probably – Ride that pony for three games, I would guess, because the Ravens really have to manage cap very closely during the season. If one of the, you know, the the side effects of all these injuries is they have a significant cap cost. Every time you lose a player, you have to re-sign someone and fill them on uh, refill that spot on the fifty-three. Well, generally speaking, sometimes the Ravens have gone shorthanded on on that, but but generally speaking, you have to you have to get somebody for to fill a substantial number of weeks there, and that ends up costing you an extra million dollars against your cap per year. It doesn't take too many of those 0.4% of caps for the year to add up to a significant amount of cap for over a period of years. Yes. And that very significant injury problem for the Ravens. It is. It really is. Um, and that's the cost of, I think, trying to contend um, where you don't want to go shorthanded one week. You want to win every single game you can. And when you go and push a little bit harder with some Voight years and Odell Beckham, um, that almost forces you to continue pushing harder and harder because then, you know, maybe this is 
one of your three shots before you have to retool a little bit and you don't want to waste that. So then you just, and then you just keep pushing and pushing until you're, uh, until you're in a bad situation sometimes. All right. Maybe this is an un- unpopular topic, but, but just based on what you said, uh, you know, maybe we need to consider it. Is 2024 almost a rebuilding year for the Baltimore Ravens? And when I say that, you know, it, 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 it doesn't, the Ravens are good about not having total tank rebuilding type years, but it doesn't mean they're going to ha- not have a, very marginal chance to contend low playoff expectation threshold with all the free agents they have leaving. Yeah. Well, the other alternative is to borrow from 2025 and then 2026 and roll the can as far as you can, as we've seen some other teams do. The big question to me is, and this is remains to be seen, but if how hard can you push and still maintain a three to four year consecutive window before you have to retool and can you retool in one or two what what is that uh, dynamic there or is it you push hard one year and then you're rebuilding for three or two even um that's the big question so i i do i personally am in favor of taking a salary cap reset season periodically whether that's every four years five years seven years i think that does help your team uh maximize their postseason potential over like a decade long period. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a very long-term view. And generally speaking, I think I'm long-term fans are the longest term views of all, but I also don't want to, you know, be headed out to football games in any season where I'm expecting a four and 12 year or a five and 11 year and, and no chance of a playoffs and, you know, be looking at cold weather and all the things that go with, with going to football. I mean, all, all that's part of the game. Don't get me wrong. And, and there's always a honeymoon period at the beginning of the year where every NFL team is hopeful that you, you, you can kind of get by, but then you get kind of slapped in the face by what's happened here. And 2021, for example, those slaps were very hard, even though the Ravens miraculously held on to the AFC, you know, supremacy for a while there. Wait, it's 21 mm-hmm. or 22. That's 21. 21. Right? Yeah. Eight, nine. Right. With the most injured team in the history of the sport and uh, only one game under 500. But they were they were like eight and three at right. one point and leading the AFC and and it was like it was they lost the last years. they Six. lost the last five in a row once Lamar went down right yeah yeah all right all right uh, Voss always fun to do this show with you and and uh, I appreciate the the thought experiments that you put us through here and and uh, and how our, our discussions go tell folks where they can talk football with you online. I am on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. I'm co-managing editor and author for Baltimore Beatdown blog, and I have a new podcast every Thursday night live stream called Raven's Way at Raven's Way Pod. All right. Outstanding. Give that a try, guys. And it's at Vasilis Beatdown, uh, very Greek uh, in terms of uh, how it's spelled. So uh, if you look for v-a-s-i-l you'll you'll typically find it so uh he's not uh he's not a hard guy to find and a, and a really great follow uh other folks out there if you'd like to be on a film study short hit me up uh dms are always open on twitter i'd love to hear from you and uh this is how i find new people to talk football with thought experiments are always great uh technical episodes are great and if you want to talk scheme or whatever you else you might want to always open for that as well for Ken McCusick, I'm sorry, for Vasilarikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week on, on Friday Morning GM.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.